Welcome back to Expert Instruction, the Teach by Design podcast, where we dive deeper into the research surrounding student behavior by talking with the people who are implementing these practices, where they work, and with the students that they support. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and today we're going to be talking about the ways that you can support social-emotional growth and positive mental health in your school. I've been thinking about this topic a lot this week, not just because, you know, we have this episode, this podcast episode that we're recording, but also because in my personal life, I've had some really deep conversations with some friends and family about their own struggles with maintaining a positive mental health. In fact, I think it wasn't until I was actually an adult that I had started to have open dialogue with other people about my own emotional well-being and how I can support them with theirs. And something that I've started to realize is just having the language to describe an emotion has been something of like a revelation for me. Those initial conversations that I had with people when I was feeling some kind of way were real awkward right? I didn't know how to talk about it. And I didn't actually know what they wanted to hear or what would be useful for them to hear. But like most things, the more that I practiced, the easier it got. And then when this pandemic hit, I really, and I started to struggle at times, I knew what I had to do to ask for help. And my friends and my family knew how that they could actually come and talk to me when they needed support. And I know that all of that is something that we can do with our students too. And that's what we're going to talk with my guests today about. Um, uh, Our first guest is Dr. Brandi Simonson. She's a professor of special education and she's the co-director of the Center for Behavioral Education and Research at the University of Connecticut. She's also the co-director of the Center on PBIS and a senior advisor to the National Center on Intensive Interventions. She's also an uh, editorial board member for the Journal of Emotional and Behavioral Disorders. And Susan Barrett will also join us. Susan is a director for the Center for Social Behavior Support at Old Dominion University, as well as an implementer partner with the Center on PBIS. She also co-leads the development of the Interconnected Systems Framework, which is a mental health and PBIS expansion effort. Each one of these women is a multi-hyphenate in the world of PBIS and mental health. We'll talk to them uh, today about their recent social media campaign, uh, hashtag school wellness PBIS, how they came up with it, as well as what we can all do to support each other to promote positive mental health in schools. And we're not just talking about students either. We'll also focus on what we can do to support each other as adults too. Welcome, Susan and Brandy. Thanks for joining us today. I'm really glad to have you guys here. Thanks for having us. (laughs) In stereo. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, we should just get it all out there that we're all just feeling like a little bit nervous, but that's okay. That's okay. It's a podcast. We're just talking. So um, the first question I really want to start out with, so May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And so this is sort of how the, the conversation has come to the attention in this particular podcast. But I'm curious to know from you guys, what is it about this 
specific point in time that feels like it's important to have this be something that we talk more about. Yeah, so I, I'll start off and then I'll, I'll tag in Brandy. Yeah. Um, you know, I think before the year 2020, we were pretty much trying to sell this notion that mental health was an important part of overall health. And I think in this time now, all of us are recognizing um, how important it is to have strategies and skills to, have, to help us handle stress. And this has been the year of stress with multiple crises going on at the same time. And I think that we're having to do, um, we don't have to sell this as much because again, there's this recognition that we all need um, ways to figure out how to process what's going on. We need strategies for calming ourselves down when we get really feel these emotions kind of taking over. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's really important for us to really think about mental health being part of overall health, which is important in the school context, because I think we've always considered when we get good grades to be a portrait of a healthy a student is all around kind mm. of the academic pieces. And so I think there's, again, this recognition that um, that mental health is part of overall health, which is part of academic health. And so it's, it's kind of this whole child, whole person kind of um, momentum shift that's going on. So that we're kind of having this equal space and opportunity to increase academic health and wellness in the space of education. Yeah, I think just to add to that, I, I echo everything Susan said, and I think that we've also learned both through research and practice that mental health and wellness, they're skills that we can teach. So I think kind of the old conceptualization was that they were static and they were kind of within person characteristics. And I think we've realized how much we can help support students, but also teachers and families in this space. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, I don't remember having any kind of lesson around what is it, how do you handle stress or how do you handle like what is this feeling that you're feeling like my first real thought about mental health existing on some sort of spectrum between like not fine and fine uh came as an adult really and um and I think that as we can as we continue the conversation in school we actually can help students make that realization sooner and we can give them those strategies that can help them in those moments of small stuff that comes up. Like for me, when I was in, I had my first real experience with anxiety, I think in math class, there was a test that was coming. I was really nervous for, and we only had just like all things, like all tests, you only have a certain amount of time that you have to take it. And I needed longer to finish and I just felt it building and building and building and I just couldn't, I was like paralyzed. I couldn't get myself to actually just do the work. And so I think it is just like recognizing some of these little things that can come up and giving students strategies to, to recognize it in themselves, to see it in others and how they can overcome that or support each other. So what are some of the things that you guys see in like elementary, middle and high that are like common common struggles that people have or that students have that maybe teachers could recognize? And what are some ways that they could help students to cope with that? I think you, you raise a really great point in that, you know, oftentimes we think 
when we hear the term mental health, we've been conditioned to kind of think of it in terms of a diagnosis or a label or yeah. part of an illness, right? And so I think one of the major ways that we can kind of overcome that is, is for schools to build strategies that really offer um, opportunities to see mental health in different ways. And mental mm. health has this like full continuum of the things that we can do. And part of um, that is making sure we have a positive school climate, making sure we have predictable routines and consistent routines and a schedule that that's, we can predict and that it's positive and that we feel like somebody in the school really cares about us and notices when we're feeling kind of off in a day. That's what mm -hmm. mental health looks like. So part of it is the strategy of recognizing that mental health is that kind of this full continuum of things. And they're really small things we can do each and every day, those micro moments each and every day that really make a, a significant difference to kids and to staff um, in the school. And so the whole kind of rationale with this campaign that we're driving is, mm -hmm. is to kind of break those things into daily doses of wellness strategies that we can start to deliver and build habits and form routines so that we, we don't just do this right now during a stressful time in everybody's mm -hmm. life, this perpetuates mm -hmm. for, forever, that we constantly are recognizing that we all have signs, we all have symptoms that um, of, of different aspects of, of this continuum. Yeah. And that there's somebody there that, that can help us. And there's, there's ways, skills and strategies to navigate through that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always think about, and Susan said this, I think so much more eloquently than I will, but what are the things we can do in advance to set ourselves and set our students up for success? So how do we, as Susan mentioned, create a positive and welcoming climate? How do we welcome kids into that space with greetings? How do we make sure there's predictable routines that kind of allow us all to feel safe and know what comes next? How do we teach positive expectations so that we're focusing on what we wanna see? Mm -hmm. And how do we teach kids to recognize their own kind of specific strategies they need to set themselves up for success to feel calm or to feel safe? And on the kind of back end, as you were saying, when you have a, a feeling that's not a pleasant one, whether it's anxiety or whatever, yeah. what strategies can we teach explicitly for kids to handle those or for us as adults to handle that? Mm -hmm. And then how do we access help when it's too big for us? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that full continuum of supports, I think, it's too much for any one person to think about doing it all. So that's where I love what Susan and others have put together in terms of a framework so that there are things I can do as a teacher, there's things I can do as a student, but there's also people I can go to when I need extra help. And there's a full range of, from proactive to responsive strategies. Mm -hmm. and so really what, could, what are some of those things do you think that they could do? Like those small things, you've talked, so wait, we, maybe we should catch people up. You've got a campaign that's going on on Twitter or has been going on and will will likely um, finish, I think, by the time this comes out or will soon finish. Anyway, um, it's called hashtag school wellness PBIS. This is the Twitter campaign that's going on through the center on PBIS. And uh, I wanted to know just a little bit, just give people a little bit of background on like when this came up, how did you come up with this little brainchild and um and what were the expectations that you had going into this that you wanted to teach folks? And then I want to hear what some of your some of the the um, those old daily doses, some of those that that folks could actually 
like go back and look at and some of the resources, but like, what are some of the things that they could do tangibly that would be small, but super helpful to students? I know it was a lot. I threw a lot at you. <laughs> So one of the things we recognized at that in this year and a half or so, there's been so many resources flooding the space in education. And they yep. spectacular. I'm geeking out on the fact that we're focused on mental health, that we're having this conversation and that it, you know, <laughs> coming up on a daily basis, right? Right. I feel like in many ways we are drinking from a fire hose with all of the resources kind of coming at us. And so we really wanted to kind of slow the pace down a little bit and curate the resources in a really kind of so market. helpful. Yeah. So we we did this kind of daily dose, if you will, of some simple tips and strategies. And if you wanted to dig a little deeper, we've got a resource that kind of backs up that little mm -hmm. that little tweet. Mm -hmm. um, we wanted to kind of showcase some of the um, the work that um, our center has produced during this time and others have produced because there's there's a ton of great There's stuff. So much. It just needs to be, uh, it's just too much if it's all, if it, you know, you're looking at it one time. So that, that was kind of the background. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of my favorite things that that's come up um, and it's, it's been researched is, is a simple greeting to students, that positive mm -hmm. greeting at the door and recognizing that we have to kind of alter that due to physical distancing during COVID, but you still, you know, when students come in and there is an authentic hello and an adult welcoming you into the space, your brain just lights up, right? And it's just, set, it sets the tone, a positive tone for the day. And it's something so simple that we should be doing every single day. And I'll take that a step further. And that, and what I would like to see is that no matter when you show up at the door, even if there's just five minutes left in the class, it's still a positive greeting. It's mm -hmm. still, thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad you were able to make it today, have a seat, and then get caught up later about what the reason was behind being late. It doesn't matter. They're there in front of you now. Mm -hmm. you know, let's make sure that the first moment is a positive one. Mm -hmm. And I think a couple of other pieces connected to that is then how to make that easy for teachers. So we shared a resource around how to develop habits of practice for educators. So it doesn't feel like one more thing you're remembering, it's just how you always start your class. And I think the other thing I've taken away from some of the resources that have been tweeted is around how do we build that same level of support and welcoming environment for the grownups? So how do you yeah. the first professional development day as you're coming into the building that you're greeting your colleagues and each other? Because I think everyone is having a rough time or could be having a rough time. And this is a way to create some of those positive connections, obviously for the kids, but also for us. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. There was one that, um, that I read that was about, um, it was a welcome back phone call, I think. And there was a, a really cool resource around that had um, questions that you can ask when you make a phone call to a family, just to get to know them, to share your, your teaching style and your motivation and get a sense of what they expect and hope for their student and what you expect and hope for their student. But it made it just so easy to like, well, these are, these are simple questions and the phone call doesn't have to take 30 minutes, but there were also really nice, like, I don't know that one of the questions I think was like, is now still a good time? Like, 
I was just like, of course, like what a, like what a good way to like set a tone to be like, your time is valuable. And so is mine, you know? So I don't know, that was, that was one that I thought was a really nice, tangible strategy for engaging families. I see a little person. (laughs) (laughs) It's been, I mean, let's be real about it for a second, right? Like, we're doing all of this stuff from our homes. And like, I have felt a stress and pressure to maintain some semblance of like professionalism in my house where my family lives, you know? And it's like, no one can know that there are like tiny people <laughs> running around or something. And it like builds and it adds to this, like the stress of trying to get through the day, you know, is to try and maintain some like surface level of presentation to the world so having your little people running around behind you brandy is so normal and i'm excited to see them yeah <laughs> and my son's uh first day of uh senior year was today so i just yeah sent him off so it's <laughs> so cool everyone's starting to go back into normal times which has also been Wow. I went to a restaurant with um, my husband to go and like get food and take it home. And when we got there, she asked us if we wanted to go inside. I was like, what? (laughs) Go inside? We can go inside? Like, and it felt like I had never been something that I have done like my whole life going into restaurants to eat. It felt like I had, it was such a foreign concept to me. Like, Do I keep wearing my mask? Do I, is there a menu? Do I order off my phone? Will someone come to the table? How do I pay? And it just like, (laughs) I just was like, I got to relax in here, you know? So I can only imagine as students are starting to return to school and doing school in new ways, but in a very familiar setting, it has to feel a little disjointed or jarring to be in that space. Yeah, we, we keep just saying, you know, prepare to be exhausted because you're navigating a whole new routine, a whole new landscape and trying to figure out the rules. And that takes a lot of brain power. And so yeah. we're finding that um, many people who have gone back after being gone for so long are really, really exhausted and they're having to take special care, extra extra biology breaks, extra water breaks, extra yeah. breaks. And so that's, a, that's also like a really simple thing we could be doing inside our daily schedule is making sure that we start to see stress come alive in our classroom is to kind of take a pause and maybe put some music on or maybe dim the lights and have a couple of deep belly breaths. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are simple strategies. And while they sound really simple, you know, we as educators have never been asked to do this before. And so it feels really uncomfortable. Yeah. And so it's really important kind of going back to what Brandy had offered is taking care of our staff and making sure that we're doing morning huddles and we're building their fluency and their confidence level with, with kind of stepping into this space and acknowledging that this, for many of us, is really uncomfortable. And so um, to, to kind of be able to, to get time and space together to figure out what this is going to look like and sound like and be comfortable with it, we have to give a lot of grace to our staff. And then the second thing that I think you brought up, which I think is really important, is that many people never stopped going to school in this country. So there's this yeah. huge variability 
of what we've all experienced this year. And I think just, again, being really mindful that some students have been in school most of the year and don't have the same kind of protocols. Some students have been in virtual, some students in virtual thrive, some students yeah. have not. And so just again, making sure we know our students, our students' name, we say, we can pronounce our students' name correctly. We know their story. We know their preferred teaching learning context. We know a little bit about their strengths, about, you know, it's, it's navigating all of that is, is, is gonna be really important too. There's another piece related to all of that that we're hearing from folks who have been back or maybe were never paused, which is the level of intentionality behind some of the things that used to just come more naturally. And you kind of raised this when you talked about the restaurant piece. You know, now that we're all masked, as we're talking about creating relationships and a welcoming <laughs> environment, that sends a very different signal. So you have to be more intentional with your words because your nonverbals are literally oh, hidden. Yeah. And things like ensuring physical distance can set teachers up that instead of a welcoming feeling, it's kind of a pushback. And so as the grownups, then that means that we're having to be extra thoughtful about as we welcome kids into the classroom, how do we make sure they feel that and experience that while we're still thinking about physical health and safety? And so I think that's both exhausting, but also an opportunity to be really intentional about these practices in ways we may not have had to be before. Some of them felt natural and we're gonna now have to pay attention to them. Mm -hmm. There also aren't natural ways to ask for help, right? It, it, before, if, you've, you know, if you had a, a relationship with a teacher or that you felt comfortable with, or you, know, you went to go see the school nurse, or you went to go see the school counselor or another important individual, there, there were times in the day where you could just kind of pop into the office. Well, you can't anymore. And so again, we have to be really intentional and design explicit ways for our kids to ask for help and be on the lookout and recognize when patterns kind of emerge that are a little worrisome and then have a request for assistance process that gets help really, really, really quickly to the student or to the staff, right? Because we, we need to do the same thing for staff that we're doing for students right now. I really love the things that you guys are talking about because I think what I've been looking at online, you know, as far as what can schools do to help support social emotional learning and uh, positive mental health, um, have all there they end up being a lot of things that are like deep breathing exercises and yoga and you know taking breaks and like that kind of stuff, which is all really good, right? None of that is is bad to do. It's all really important stuff, but there are also some like real logistical things that. Um, that can actually that can get people the support that they need more efficiently. Things like these re this request for assistance process, making sure that you've got it. Just paying attention to like your students and their overall demeanor, and being like, you know, Roddy doesn't seem so great today. I'm gonna go check in with him intentionally. You know, like those kinds of things for individual students, I think, are really important to remember. And the other thing that you guys are talking a whole lot about is like building relationships and making it okay and giving students language to say, I am not doing great today. And, and in order to do that, you actually have to have a relationship with someone. You can't, there has to be a trust level there that you're going to treat that with care and kindness and help them, help them through that moment. So all of this stuff is so great. 
Um, the other thing that, so what comes up for me next actually is a super great transition to our, um, to our segment that we like to call after school, where we talk with our guests about the strategies that they're doing in their own lives, the resources that they find to be useful in this particular moment. And so when we're talking about teachers specifically, and um, the things that, that um, we can do to be supportive of each other as adults, what are the things that you all are doing or the things that you read or a strategy that you, has been useful to you in your own lives for dealing with this like time? Oh, wow. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, yeah, I think we're, we're all really stressed out. I think Zoom stresses us out. We were talking about here. <laughs> We were like, do we have to be on video? I know. Nobody I likes know. to watch their 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 face and on video mm -hmm. all the time. And moving, you know, moving from one Zoom to the next, we haven't had the luxury of having a, a biology break in between that. So that's been mm -hmm. a, a bit stressful. Um, I think for me, um taking walks, making sure that I'm outside, making sure that um I love music. So music's been a big part of mm -hmm of um, my wellness kind of peace and self-care and then making dinner with my husband and, and just learning how to cook and learning something new has been really fun. Mm -hmm. um, I think in the professional domain though, I know that we're taking time out in many of our calls and meetings to have wellness checks with each other and just give yes. time to laugh about something or be sad about something or just process something. So I feel like there's like this emotional support in the team meetings that we're having. And I'm hoping that that in our schools across the country, that in their meeting agendas, they're, they're, they're trying to populate wellness and moments of, of learning about each other and mm -hmm. making sure that there's an emotional support dynamic taking place in inside our meetings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think I have anything unique or different from what Susan said. I think okay. I've been more intentional about taking care of my health. I think sometimes, like many people, I tend to put work and other things ahead of my personal priorities. And so making sure I get enough sleep, I mean, things that in the past I would have honestly sacrificed to do more work. Um, I think also for me, as you saw with my kids at home, it's been mm -hmm. making sure we have positive and pre predictable routines in our house. So yes. making sure that kind of I'm set up to know what's expected and all the other people and pets in my house are set up <laughs> with what they need to be successful. And I loved what Susan said around finding kind of moments of joy, whether it's cooking for me, it's absolutely not cooking. <laughs> you know, things that you like doing, whether it's connecting with a friend or family member or doing something fun together. One of the silver linings, and I've shared this with Susan before, this, one of the silver linings for me of having my kids at home is I haven't gotten to teach kids for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And so when everything felt crazy at the beginning of the pandemic, sitting down and teaching my then six-year-old daughter explicit reading instruction, which probably doesn't feel like a super calming routine for other people, but for me, <laughs> that experience was so calming because I we could kind of do something together that was positive and it was predictable and I could see her growth. And so I think some of those things of like for each person, it's going to be different, but finding your joy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and go ahead. Sorry. I, I was just, <laughs> I, you know, we've been talking a lot about self-care and, um, but I want to recognize that um, 
you know, we do have a certain level of responsibility to take care of ourselves. But I think the larger context is, is the collective care. How do we take care of each other? How do we, how do we slow down and stop and build a sense of community with staff, right? How do we create organizational health for staff and build an ecosystem where everybody, whether you're living, learning, or working in that environment is thriving in that environment and, and paying really close attention to how we can structure that for staff. And so I just wanted to call out and recognize that there's self-care and then there's collective care. And I'm more interested in the ecosystem that drives that collective care notion. Yeah, and it's checking in with each other, even when things are going okay, and just making that like a predictable routine that I'm always going to ask you, uh, like my, uh, my good friend who lives in Washington, DC, and I'm all the way over on the other coast, finding a good time to talk to each other requires planning. So we have it like, as a standing date, and we have a Tuesday every month where we check in with each other. And so it doesn't have to be that I'm checking in with you when you're not feeling great, or when something chaotic is going on in the world. I'm going to check in with you on this day, every month, and we can just talk about the things that are going right. And it'll be a space where you can just share if something isn't going great, you know, but being predictable about it with her has really taught me that I can check in with people on a regular basis and they can come to rely on the fact that I'm going to come and talk to them and ask them how they're doing, regardless of whether I see them struggling or not. So I think that's great. Well, ladies, where can they, where can folks find uh, more information about the good works that you're doing? We've got the Twitter campaign. What's the hashtag? Uh, <laughs> hashtag, I think it's hashtag school wellness. PBIS, yeah. There it is. Hashtag, so sorry for that. That's um, okay. That's okay. So folks can find the Daily Doses Facebook, there on Twitter. Yeah, our Facebook, our Twitter page. We've got an Instagram feed. Our website has been completely reformatted and... Um, there's a ton of resources on there in the return to school. And Brandy, I don't know if you want to talk about kind of how we structured that. We tried to make, we tried to simplify that a bit, but if you want to talk about yeah. that. So when folks go to pbis.org now, they're kind of the scrolling banner. The very first thing that pops up is this, a, this page around supporting schools during and after crisis. And so we've done a few things. One is that we have this slightly monster guide there. So for folks working at the state <laughs> district or school level, that can become a place that they can then branch out and get a ton. But given the conversation we were having earlier about people feeling overwhelmed, we've also, from the web page itself, tried to organize resources in two ways. So one is that we have a graphic that kind of walks people through the idea of what it looks like to recover from a crisis. So the immediate response around ensuring safety and then really kind of what they do across time to promote wellness and then to move toward a truly integrated and supportive continuum of support for all students and all staff and all families. And then below that, we've grouped resources that are specific for states districts for schools and classrooms and then for kids and families. So we've really tried to kind of help tailor and have folks find exactly what they need. Included in that kind of laundry list of resources are some great examples from schools and from families. And so I think if I was overwhelmed and just wanted to see some things of what it looks like, I might scroll all the way down and look at some of those examples and then dive in a little bit from there. 
That's awesome. You guys have done such a monstrous job of like putting all of these resources together. I think in the moment when a topic that you've been so invested in for so long becomes the topic of conversation, it can be like, here's everything. And it's like overwhelming to try and get it all together and organized. So the way that you guys have done it on the center's website has been really wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate all of the things that you guys have been up to. And I hope that this just continues and starts a conversation and that it continues for folks after this. So thanks so much. Thank you.